Hello, and welcome to the Bizarre and Fascinating Details podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I've got Darcy with me as usual. Darcy, how are you doing on this lovely Thursday evening? Uh, I'm doing okay. Um, I did get my results back. Yeah. <laughs> on cough medicine. I choked on cough medicine. I did get my results back. You know, I got. we talked last time I got COVID tested. I actually have been COVID tested twice, and I had the antibody test, and it all came back negative. Um, so Which is good and bad. That's the good right? news. Yeah. The bad news is I had a whole bunch of other tests and they don't know what's wrong. So that's not good. Um, so so yeah. you're just not, you're short of breath. Your heart rate and blood pressure are up, right? Yeah. My, my blood pressure was crazy high. Um, it was like 140 something over 97 last week. And Which like my I resting don't have heart any rate, medical knowledge. That's really high. It's really high. Like at your like normal blood pressure is one twenty over eighty, and so like that bottom number being really close to a hundred when being ninety seven really close to a hundred was very bad. Like that was like you have a hummingbird's heartbeat right now. Then well, my heart rate was like ninety, but the pressure like it was working overtime to like pump blood out was what the blood pressure was, and it was like Which really is scary. really high. Yeah, so um, I did. And Any I, other symptoms, though? You have, like, a headache or, like, I sore throat? I had a really nose? bad migraine for, like, three days. I had a sore throat. I had body aches. I had fatigue. I mean, I had all the symptoms. Like, I thought, that, like, when I went to the doctor, she was like, it sounds like you have it. And then the test came back negative. So I don't know. It, I mean, Which it is felt weird. like... It felt like literally like when anytime I'd inhale, it was like inhaling against resistance. Like there was just something really heavy pressing on my chest. And then I also had really sharp chest pains that were like in my ribs and my yeah. sternum. And that was really, really painful. Um, so good news is it didn't come back positive for COVID, but bad news is we don't know what it was. So hooray. What do you mean was? I thought you were still experiencing symptoms. Though. I am. Um, I, they put me on, they gave me like an inhaler and some more cough medicine and that's been going pretty okay. I feel better, but like last week they gave me a antibiotic course and a steroid shot and I was feeling better until I ran out of the antibiotics. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of nervous to see what happens when I run out of medicine again this time. So we'll see. That's so bizarre. Like mm-hmm. I just can't even, I, I, I uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, it sucks. Like, I, and I, I live got... on the third floor of my apartments, and like, well, that's fun. I live Just get a little at, jog up right. to your apartment, and you're completely dying on the way up. Yeah, and like I've lived here for three years, so it's not like I'm not used to walking up these stairs. That like I walk up the stairs from taking my dog out and have to sit down for twenty minutes. Like it's ridiculous. Yikes. So yeah, I'm I'm super over it. I hear you. So I yeah. got sick around Christmas time and had the same sort of experience. Ugh, it's um, the worst. Except I had like bronchial coughing and a lot of phlegm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was awful. Yeah. Um, which made me think maybe it wasn't COVID, but I yeah, really had. It's usually a dry it felt cough like I COVID. had. Yeah, I felt like I had something sitting on my chest for like mm-hmm. a month straight. Very mm-hmm. very hard to breathe, and it just came on very quick with very minimal symptoms and loss of taste and smell. So. Mm. Yeah. Um, that was the worst part because it's like you don't want to eat, you don't want to drink, mm-hmm. like you want nothing to do with anything food yep. related. But um, thankfully that cleared up, but it took almost two months for it to fully clear up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping this no fun. gets knocked out with this round of medicine, but we'll see. Maybe next week we'll talk and something else will be going on. It's definitely with me. a scary time to be like sick because mm-hmm. it's like, is it COVID? Is it a flu? Is it the cough? Is it 
cancer is like yeah. it's just there's so many things that it could be and like you want it not to be one thing but like you really don't want it to be another thing either so right. it, it's just it's a scary sort of a, a circumstance and then you know going into the doctors is a crapshoot because then what are you exposing yourself to mm-hmm. like are you exposing yourself to covid patients right and then you get it there like right. it's I've been into the doctors frequently because of my nose break and mm-hmm. like the thought of catching something in there. And granted, I don't know that necessarily that going in the emergency room when I went in for my nose break was like clear. There was right. nobody there. Right. So I don't necessarily know that COVID patients are going into the emergency room, but like that again, that was in April, no May, that was May. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just hadn't reached the levels where they were starting to go to the emergency rooms yet. I don't well, know. Well, they That's separate weird. them. They don't keep them out in like the main waiting area with people. I wasn't in the waiting area either, but like oh, the okay. whole hospital, like the emergency room in general, like you walk down and all the rooms are empty. All the yeah. doors are open. No one was in any of the rooms. Yeah. So um, does, where are the COVID patients? Like, are they going into the normal doctors and just getting tested there or? I know that they're separated when they do go into the emergency room. Like they segregate them pretty, um, pretty quickly. Um, But I don't, I mean, I don't know specifically. It's crazy. That place was a freaking ghost town. I think maybe just because people are afraid of the COVID thing. So they're Mm -hmm. not going in in rates that they normally would. Yeah, that's also true. And so you have a, yeah, you have people avoiding any kind of hospital situation, even if they feel sick or they're hurting because Mm -hmm. they don't want to catch COVID and because they feel like maybe they'd be compromised because of their other issue. Mm -hmm. They don't want to catch it and die. So like it's, it's a... A vicious, vicious circle. Yeah, it's hard right, right now. Um, speaking of that, I just want to kind of talk about something that has kind of been on my mind a little bit lately. I am a notorious like Yelp reviewer. Like, Are you? I like, write you Yelp write reviews for everything. Yeah. I write long Yelp reviews. I get into detail. I talk about restaurants. I talk about any kind of establishment that I would potentially be um, frequenting. Mm-hmm. And my favorite is the restaurants because I think I'm a pretty picky person when it comes to food and beverages. Mm-hmm. And when I get good service, I make sure everyone knows I got good service. And if I got crappy service, I make sure everyone knows I got crappy service. Well, I wrote, I wrote a review on a Mexican restaurant that was kind of a mid-level Mexican restaurant in my neighborhood. It was that in um, uh, Illinois or is that back in San Diego? In Illinois. Okay. And I wrote it because we had gone in there for uh, National Tequila Day. Mm. And we were hoping, like, hey, this is this this place will be great to go for Tequila Day because I'm sure, sure they'll have some neat things. So we went in there, and we had a couple – we had probably four margaritas, mm-hmm. and they had some, like, specialty-type margaritas, and then we had nachos and some tacos. Like, we had the, the stereotypical, you know, Mexican restaurant chain kind of, kind of experience. Yeah. And I was not pleased with any of it. Mm. I didn't like, we had the nachos and they were like, it was so sweet. It was awful. It was sweet. Like, it was sweet. They, it, they were pulled pork nachos. Oh, so like they had like and barbecue they, or something? Yeah, they literally tasted like someone dumped like a cup of sugar on the nachos. Hmm. It was awful. Um, Mike ate them for me and was <laughs> like, hey, they're all right. They're, they're overly sweet, but they're all right. Mm-hmm. Like he ate them. And, like, the drinks were, not only were they not strong at all, 
but they were like supposed to be spicy jalapeno something or another there was no spice and i'm like Ooh. the weakest person when it comes to spice like i'm reacting strongly to any kind of spice because yeah. i have a weak palate and they were just not strong at all yeah. and i like i didn't taste any spice i was like oh that's a bummer <clears throat> so when i got out of there i was like well I was not happy with this, so I wrote the Yelp review, and I kind of mentioned that, and I was like, the the review wasn't all bad. I, I did mention that the staff was really attentive. They were very fast. They were, The place was sparkling clean. Mm-hmm. It was immaculate. Like, I, I think I've never seen a Mexican restaurant that clean. Um, it was immaculate, and the staff was really polite and friendly and but the problem was the food was just the food and drinks were not good. And like, mm-hmm. that's the whole reason you go to the restaurant. Like you're willing to deal with subpar service if sure. you get good food and drinks. So I wrote this review and then the next day, the owner of the restaurant wrote me back and was like, Hey, you know, I'm really um, disappointed to see this review. And I wish you would have said something when you were in the restaurant, we would have brought you something else as a substitute um, you know, it's really hard for people, particularly restaurants during the COVID and pandemic and everything, because it's hard to get business and people don't mm-hmm. want to go out. And we just would encourage you to um, try us again and just be careful about the sorts of things that you write, because we're trying really hard to survive right now. Yeah. Wow. And I just I read the guy's review and I instantly felt like I wanted to cry. Like I was I felt so bad that I had written a negative review and like slammed this guy when they're just trying to survive. Sure. And so I went back and I corrected my review and I was like, hey, you know, we got this bad meal, but the service was great and we'll try again in the future and hopefully just get something else and we'll know that, you know, to avoid that in the future or just to mention something to the manager when we're there and maybe they can replace the meal. But yeah. I think it's kind of a reminder for us to like, I think we live in this kind of bubble and don't necessarily think that the things we say when we review people or things or, you know, podcasts or whatever, that what we say doesn't affect people. We sort of live in this little bit, at least I do. And to hear this guy come back and write such a personal addressing what I had said made me feel like, oh my gosh, the things that I say and do really do impact so many people, like in weird ways that you wouldn't think. And I have been so selfish to write something like that when it was a matter of personal preference and Mm -hmm. not like crappy service. Right. Yeah, I think sometimes, especially when it comes to reviewing things like that, um, and I'm not a review person, but I'm actually thankful that most people are or the people that I'm thankful for the people that are because obviously I go on Yelp and like look to reviews, you know, when I go places. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of forget that when we put something on the Internet, other people can read it, including the people that we are reviewing. You know, it's kind of like we've put it on the Internet and so like it's gone from us. And so like that was our job. We did it. And we forget that there's like consequences for that. Yeah. Like I would say that if you're gonna, you know, make comments and review people in that way, just try to be constructive in ways that they can use to improve the experience for other people. Mm -hmm. Don't just run off and say, I don't like this. This is bad. Yeah. I think... Yeah, I think in general, like, it's a good idea to kind of keep in mind there's always somebody on the other side of that, whatever you're saying and whatever you're putting on the internet. And also just kind of, like, we're all just trying to get by right now. And we're we're just trying to – I don't think it's that big of an ask to, like, ask people, and us included, ask each other to, like, think 
outside of ourselves a little bit more. You know, I think that's just Let's a good rule of thumb. Let's be compassionate for other people yeah. because just a little bit of nice goes a long way right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to forget that just because, you know, we're, we've become so isolated now. You have to be at home. You We're not working. A lot of us were working from home. Yeah. And so we don't realize that other people may feel strongly about the comments that we make. And I realized that in a very big way this week. And I felt yeah. just like so com- so much compassion for this person who's really just trying to keep his business afloat. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't awful. It was just not my preference. And I should have made that clear. So right. I just wanted to kind of bring that to the forefront and say, you know, I'm really sorry. And it's really been a huge lesson for me. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder for all of us, especially right now. Like you said, we're all stuck at home. So we all tend to gravitate toward the Internet. And it's just a good reminder that there's somebody else on the other side. Totally. And then kind of to bring things to a lighter note, I saw this article this last week and it was on um, HuffPost, but it was embarrassed St. Bernard rescued by team of 16 from England's <laughs> tallest mountain. Did you Aww, see this? Oh, yes. I saw this. I just, I wanted to cry for this poor little guy, but this <laughs> Daisy, the St. Bernard is apparently Saint feeling Bernard. a little embarrassed. The roles after were she reversed. Was the, <laughs> right? After she was the subject of a five hour rescue mission during her descent from England's highest peak. Hmm. <laughs> The 120 pound, the 121 pound pooch comes sure. from a working breed that has for centuries been known for its prowess on alpine rescues. Yeah. Like, you know how the, what the um, St. Bernard is known for, right? Yeah. Even you see it in the cartoons where they have the little barrel around uh-huh. their neck and they rescue people from mountains. But on this particular occasion, it was Daisy who needed to be saved after she collapsed while descending from the summit of Shuffle, Pe- uh, Shuffle Pike in England's Ooh. northwest on Friday. During a hike with her owner, she was displaying signs of pain in her rear legs and refusing to move. Oh, no. The Wasdale Mountain Rescue Team said on a Facebook post about the mission, but after Daisy's owners contacted the authorities, a 16-person rescue team was mobilized to help bring her safely, armed with medical guidance from local veterinarians. They wanted to bring her back down the mountain. And there's just tons of pictures. Like, we can post some of them on Instagram. She's she's so cute. I can't even... But team members carefully introduced themselves to Daisy so they wouldn't cause her any additional mm-hmm. distress. She's probably with scared. The help, they gave her some treats and mm-hmm. they assessed her condition and administered anesthesia for her pain. And after a little bit of persuasion and some more treats and rearrangement of a stretcher to be more dog friendly, the rescue team said they were able to carry her down the mountain on a rescue litter, similar Aww. to the type for an adult person. Aww. But thanks to the cooperation of Daisy, who was so well behaved through the process, the rescue went smoothly. And she has since been reported to have had a good night's sleep, snoring a little louder than usual, (laughs) but back to her usual high spirits this morning, the rescue group said. And this is the cutest part. She apparently feels a little bit guilty and slightly embarrassed about letting down the image of her cousins bouncing across the alpine snows with barrels of brandy around their necks. (laughs) I just could just imagine poor little Daisy just getting hauled back down the mountain on a stretcher and i didn't know that they had brandy in those little barrels it's you know, little barrels they were yeah i think i remember like i don't is that i'm not sure is that actually a true thing or is that just so, like a legend that they actually did have alcohol but i know the whole like thing you hear is that it was like it's some sort of alcohol to like warm people up because they've been sitting well, in i always thought it was for... like a little first aid kit or something no i knew it was always alcohol yeah <laughs> yeah i know i knew it was alcohol <laughs> Oh, I know. I would send the, the cavalry too. Just... They sent sixteen people up there. I would be like, "Send everybody, save my dog." It's just, 
so sweet. Yeah. Like, St. Bernard's are just adorable mm-hmm. anyway. So, like, little Miss Daisy and the pictures of her getting rescued. And she just yeah. looks so embarrassed. Like, Aww. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> very, very cute. So, it just kind of warmed my heart. Yeah. I was like, aw. But anyway, jumping into the main topic for the day, what do you have for us? Yeah, so I have been kind of stuck uh, trying to figure out a topic that I was going to do this week. We'd kind of thrown a couple ideas back and forth. We usually don't tell each other what we're going to do, but I could not think of anything I wanted to do for the life of me. And then this morning I woke up to a text from my friend Lisa, um, who I worked with in Louisville when I lived in Louisville for a year. And um, she reminded me, there's an update in this story, and she reminded me that I have been meaning, since we basically started, I've been meaning to tell the story of Crystal Rogers. And because there is an update in this story, I thought today would be the perfect time to talk about this case. I don't know that I've heard of this one. Oh, man, this is wild. So... The weekend of July 4th, 2015, Sherry Ballard gets a phone call from her granddaughter asking if she had talked to her daughter, Crystal. Sherry started calling Crystal and couldn't get her on the phone, and she's texting friends and family trying to get a hold of her. And after not hearing anything by the following morning, Sherry knows something is wrong. And so she files a missing persons report for 35-year-old Crystal Rogers of Bardstown, Kentucky. So Bardstown is it's a tiny tiny little town uh south of louisville um it might be like 45 minutes south of louisville it's actually the bourbon capital of the world and so in honor of that i am drinking some bourbon from bardstown kentucky tonight um but wow it's a very small town it is only about fourteen thousand people i think in the population Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of one of those places everybody knows everybody. Most people usually work in some capacity for a distillery. There's a bunch of distilleries down there. It's part of the Bourbon Trail, this, that, and the other. So, Can you imagine how cool that would be, just as yeah. a sidebar? Uh, I know quite a few people who um, have done the Bourbon Trail. I did not do it, even though I lived right there. But I did get a good taste of, for bourbon when I was in, living in Louisville. So Crystal is... Like I said, she was 35 in 2015, and she's the mother of five children, and she lived with her boyfriend, Brooks Houck, um, and he is the father of her youngest child, Eli. They met after Crystal divorced her husband and rented a house from him, and according to Brooks, he and Crystal had a date night on July 3rd, 2015, and they went to his mom's farm to feed their cows. It's not very clear if that was the date going to his mom's farm to feed the cows or if they did that after their date. But either way... I would love that, by the way. To go feed cows? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Because I love cows. They're Uh, so cool. Farm animals in general to me are I disagree. Um, (laughs) So it's it's the three of them. It's Crystal, it's Brooks, and it's Eli, right? And they're at this farm. And... They're there pretty late, and when they get back home, he goes straight to bed, but Crystal stays up with Eli, and she's playing some kind of game on her phone. And the next morning, Brooks wakes up about 6, 6.30, Crystal's gone, and Eli is in bed with him, okay? And he kind of just starts going about his day, okay? And so, according to Crystal, no. According to Sherry, 
Crystal had been pretty unhappy in her relationship with Brooks and wanted to leave him, but she was concerned that he was going to try and take custody of her son. And um, he al- she also told her mom that right before she went missing that she had been collecting evidence that Brooks had been lying about his taxes. So he was a, a home builder, and apparently he had been taking cash under the table for his houses for rent and things like that. So he was lying about his income and taking cash under the table. So he wasn't doing things on the up and up. And apparently Crystal had been kind of collecting evidence of this. Unfortunately, Hmm. Sherry didn't ask where Crystal was keeping this evidence. And Crystal went missing before anything could happen with this. Okay. So on July 5th, this is just the very next day. Crystal's car is found on the side of the Bluegrass Parkway. So this is kind of a like a beltway around Louisville, the Bluegrass Parkway, and, well, it's south of Louisville, but anyway, it's it's a beltway freeway, Um, and this is all right in the area of Bardstown, and her car is found on the side of the freeway, and her dad goes up, goes to the location of her car, and in the car, he finds her keys, her purse, and her cell phone, okay, and her cell phone has not been charged, her phone is dead. That's bad news right there. Yeah. So Crystal's family and friends spend the rest of the day searching along the highway and the surrounding areas looking for Crystal, but according to her family, Brooks does not offer to help at all. All right. And on July 6th, Crystal's family announces a $25,000 reward for information leading to her whereabouts. Okay. So this is moving pretty quick. All right. So stop me if you have any questions. On July 7th, Brooks is interviewed by the Nelson County Sheriff's Department. During the interview, he describes a disagreement that they had had about his ki- about Crystal's kids. She apparently claimed that he treated her kids differently than he treated her the son that that he had with Crystal. Okay? Like he favored the son that he had with Crystal over Crystal's other kids and they had a disagreement about that. But which I don't think is unusual, right? It's not unusual, but he's very clear to say that it was a disagreement, it was not a fight. Okay, that's what okay. he says. Hmm. And he also recounts his story of July 3rd about going to the farm, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, they're out there really late. Okay, so he says that they get back around 1220 at night with Eli and that Eli's still awake. Okay. Which is really late for How old is this kid again? I think he's around two, if not younger. Yeah, that is really late. Yeah. And his kind of reasoning is, well, Crystal stays up really late. She sleeps really late in the the morning. So that's his usual, like, time. Like, he's not tired by then. So, like, if he's not tired, they just stay up, which is, like, I don't think so. Like, that's not responsible. That's not good parenting. (laughs) Yeah. Although we're not parents, neither one of us, so, like, we can't really judge. But to me, that goes against everything I've ever heard about Right. So the other thing that happens is he gets a 13-second phone call around midnight. But he doesn't remember who called or what it was about. So when when the police ask why he doesn't try to call her when he wakes up and sees that she's not there... 
he kind of goes into this whole story of like, well, Crystal and her friends, her girlfriends, they get together and they have these fantasy parties. And who do they dump the kids on? They dump the kids on us. So like, I'm not going to worry and I'm not going to call the police. This is just something that happens. So he's kind of trying to paint her as an irresponsible mother. All right. And according to law enforcement, when her car is found on the Bluegrass Parkway, they do bring dogs to the scene. The dogs don't pick up on Crystal's scent at all at the car. But when they do bring dogs to the farm, his mother's farm, they pick up on her scent at the farm. They pick up on her scent at the barn. And they follow her scent all the way out to the road, okay, before they lose the scent. Which, she's, she was there, though. Like that. She was there, they... but why, if she left that morning and supposedly dropped her car off on the side of the freeway for some reason, why didn't they pick up her scent at the car? They didn't pick up her scent at the car. No, they did not. Oh, interesting. So, you know, he has no explanation for why that would be. I have no idea why they wouldn't pick up her scent at the car. That's really crazy. Hmm, how weird. Um, As they do. (laughs) I don't know why that would happen. And during the interview, Brooks is defensive and he's agitated, but he's cooperating. And then he gets a phone call. So his phone rings in the middle of his interview. And it's his brother, Nick. Nick happens to be a Bardstown police officer. So Nick calls and he tells him to stop talking to the detectives. And you can listen to this phone call. And there's a, there's a podcast called Bardstown that talks about this in, in really great detail. It's an investigative journalism podcast. They go into a lot greater detail. They go to Bardstown. They talk to people that are involved. And if you listen to that podcast, you'll hear this phone call. And you can hear Nick on the, on the phone from, you know, what's being recorded in the interrogation uh, room. But you can't hear what he's saying. You can just hear his voice. And then you hear Brooks responding to him. But it's like he's having a one-sided phone call. So he's saying things like, yeah, I know you tell me innocent people get jammed up all the time. But I'm just trying to get this guy to help me. And I don't think she ran off with another guy. You know, you can't make me think that. No one can make me think that. And he's saying all this stuff as not as if he's responding to his brother, but as, as if he wants the interrogator to know what his brother's saying. You know what I mean? Hmm. Weird. Like, he, like he's, he's making sure that the interrogator can hear the whole thing. So it's Way not too like, suspicious. yeah, so, so then, you know, Nick tells Brooks to ask if he's being detained. The police say, no, you're not being detained. And so Nick says, leave. And so Brooks, basically you hear Brooks say, if you want me to get up and walk out of this, this interview right now, I will. Okay. Okay. And so then the interview's over. Right. So this is a Bardstown police officer telling his brother not to cooperate with the Bardstown police. All right. So now they want to talk to Nick because why would he not let his brother cooperate with the interview, right? So on July 9th, Nick is brought in front of a grand jury because investigators begin to believe that he is involved in Crystal's disappearance. They confiscate his cruiser and he's asked by the lead detective to come in for an interview but he refuses. He says, I have nothing to, t- to say to you. Well, that's not going to fly with the chief of the Bardstown police. So the chief of the Bardstown police calls him in there and he says, I am ordering you to cooperate with this investigation. 
So on July 15th, the detectives sit down with Nick Houck and they say, look, we know that after you told Brooks to leave the interview, they basically say, hey, did you meet up with him that after, after you left the interview? And he says, no, I don't think so. Well, guess what? There's a camera on the corner of the property of the Houck farm. And that camera has Nick's cruiser and Brooks's car both coming into the driveway of the Houck farm one after the other. They stay there for a little while, and then the camera picks them both leaving, picks them up both leaving at the same time, one after the other. Well, Nick says, I mean, we didn't meet up, if that's what you're thinking. That was just a coincidence. Oh, boy. Like, not a good liar, this one. No. Especially when you've taken, like, interrogation courses. So, then the police say, well, look, you know how we searched your car? We found bodily fluids in the trunk of your car. We did a luminol test, and it lit up like a Christmas tree. There's a blanket in the the trunk of your car that just lit up with bodily fluids. Why would that be? And Nick is just plum stumped. He cannot explain it. And he's like, well, there's no reason the bodily fluids would be in the trunk of my car. If you're telling me that, you must be making it up or somebody put that there. And they're like, no, no, nobody put it there. Nobody's making it up. So then they have him take a polygraph. How do you think he might have done on that polygraph? I'm going to say he's failed. He did not pass that polygraph. Specifically, he, he did not pass the questions involving, do you know the whereabouts of Crystal? Or do you know what happened to Crystal? And the FBI now are brought in and they administer the polygraph and they're the ones who tell him, hey, you failed this polygraph. You're not being truthful. And of course, he's like, I've told you 100%. I told you the truth. I've been 100% honest with you. Well, that's not going to fly. And on September, 5th, September of 2015, Nick is suspended from the uh, Bardstown Police Department without pay. And he ends up being fired one month later for his interference with Brooks's interview, for his failing a polygraph test, and for his refusal to cooperate with the investigation. And the police chief called him in there and he says, I am going to the mayor's office as soon as you leave this office and you are not going to wear a badge anymore. You do not deserve to be a police officer. This is not how police officers um, behave. And Nick is just very nonchalant. He's like, well, okay. So the same day that Nick is fired is October 16th, 2015. Nelson County Sheriff's Department announces that Crystal Rogers is presumed dead and that they have enough they have evidence that says Brooks is responsible for her disappearance, but they do not have enough evidence to make an arrest at that time. All right. Hmm. In December of 2015, Brooks's friend and employee, Danny Singleton, gets indicted for lying to a grand jury about his whereabouts when Crystal went missing. So the Commonwealth attorney stated in the indictment that evidence is going to show that Crystal's car appeared on the Bluegrass Parkway during that time that he's lying about his, his whereabouts and that Brooks is probably needing help disposing of a body. So basically the Commonwealth attorney in this, this indictment is setting up that he's going to argue that this employee, Danny Singleton, 
is the one that put his put Crystal's car in the Blue, Bluegrass Parkway because he needed because um, he was helping Brooks Hauk dispose of the body. Okay. Why does this sound suspiciously like um, Fotis Dulo? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, kind of. Right, where he had the car for the from the employee and mm-hmm. like got other people to help him dispose. Of, hmm, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. He ends up pleading down to lesser charges of false swearing. Okay. What? And he is is sentenced to 360 days in prison. Which is nothing. Yeah. But ends up being released after only eight months and gets two years of probation. And as of tonight, right before we started recording, because I've been checking the news, he is the only person arrested in relation to Crystal's disappearance. Wow. So, fast forward about nine months later, in August of 2016. So, this is right after I got to Louisville, okay? And mm-hmm. this is when I started following the case because a coworker of mine lived in Nelson County and was telling me about this. And I'll get to that in a second. But so, this, she told me about this, and that's when I started following this case. In August of 2016, Investigators searched the property of Anna Whiteside, who was Brooks and Nick's grandmother. They also attempted to search her car, which is a white Buick, because apparently there had been reports that a similar car had been seen on the Houck farm, quote, in a peculiar position. I don't know what that means, but apparently it was parked in such a way that it was suspicious and somebody called it in during the time that Crystal went missing. But they couldn't search the car because Anna sold it right before they were going to search it. Yep. And she also invoked her Fifth Amendment right when she was subpoenaed to testify before the grand jury. Which I don't think you could do. I I don't think you can, um, especially if you're not. Obviously you could because she did. But I thought that because we talked about in the um, Rosenberg case that when Ethel Rosenberg... Um, invoked her Fifth Amendment right, she was held in contempt, and that was why she was originally arrested. So, I don't know. But anyway. That was also, like, 70 years ago. Investigators searched the Houck farm for the third time since Crystal went missing in August 2016, and they brought with them, at that time, a dive team and 18 cadaver dogs. Hmm. And apparently they did find something, but they have been mum on what they found. Nobody knows what it is that they found at that time, and it was not sufficient, whatever it was, for an arrest. Interesting. A couple months later, right before Thanksgiving, on November 19th, 2016, Crystal's father, Tommy, goes deer hunting on the Ballard family farm with his 10-year-old grandson. And they have only been on the farm for about 20 minutes. They're waiting on Tommy's other son and grandson to come to join them. When all of a sudden, Tommy's shot. What? Yep. He reaches for his grandson, Trenton, and tells him he's been shot. And he says, look, find my phone, find my phone. And just before 7 a.m., Sherry Ballard gets a phone call from her grandson, Trenton, that Tommy's been shot. Sherry immediately calls 911 and rushes to the family farm. And emergency personnel are already on the scene by the time Sherry gets there. But 
Tommy dies before Sherry gets there. That's so crazy. And at first, Kentucky State Police said that he had been shot in a hunting accident and he had been shot in the back. The coroner report would later show that he was shot directly in the chest. The hell? Yeah. So they're still calling it, Kentucky State Police are still calling it a death investigation. They're not treating it as necessarily a homicide. But they're also investigating it. They're, 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 it's an open investigation in, in that What would sense. be the purpose of shooting him and killing him? Because he has been searching for Crystal since the day she went missing. So really just in the investigation. Yep. Wow. So obviously Sherry believes that Tommy was murdered because he was still searching for Crystal. And Sherry is still searching for Crystal too. Wow. And those were the last updates on the Crystal Rogers case up until today. So we are recording at it's 8.55 Central on August 6, 2020. Mm-hmm. And this morning, the FBI office in bum, Louisville bum, bum. announced that it is taking <laughs> over the investigation. Wow. The FBI has also launched a new task force and a website to help share information. That website is www.crystalrogerstaskforce.com. And this morning, 150 state and federal law enforcement agents were deployed in Bardstown, executing search warrants on the properties of Brooks Houck, Nick Houck and the Houck family farm. Wow. Both FBI and IRS agents were seen carrying items out of Brooks's home. And are you ready for this? Tell Last me. week on, on July 27th, human remains were discovered near the border of Nelson and Washington County. The FBI's oh, evidence geez. response team assisted in the recovery of the remains because the location was difficult to reach. And those remains have been sent to the FBI lab in Quantico for identification. And they are not saying anything further at this time. So we do not know if it's related to Crystal Rogers. But we know that last week remains were found. And this morning, 150 agents descended on the teeny tiny little town of Bardstown, Kentucky. And I've been checking this all day. And there have been no further updates. But after the federal agents left Brooks house he hopped on his riding lawnmower and mowed his lawn right in front of news cameras and everything he's like not concerned nope and here's the thing there's a lot of crazy stuff that's been happening in bardstown i didn't get into this and you can go listen to the bardstown podcast because they do a, a, a deep dive on this but in 2000 13 or 14 a police officer named jason ellis was ending his shift his his, uh graveyard shift and he is pulling off the bluegrass parkway and he sees like a it looks like a tree has fallen on the off-ramp it's completely covering crossing the off-ramp so he stops his car and he calls it in as like a fallen tree or something And the next thing you know, you get a couple that have stopped and a civilian is using his radio to say, officer down, officer down, because Jason Ellis has been shot and killed at this road obstruction. 
What the heck? So he was shot by at least two different weapons based on the bullets they found at the scene. So they think what happened is somebody put this obstruction on the off-ramp, knowing he would stop to move it, and then shot him. That murder is unsolved. What the? In this little tiny town? Yep. Not too long after that, a mother and daughter were murdered in their home in Bardstown. That, those murders are also unsolved. And then you have the murder of or the, the, the disappearance of Crystal Rogers and the murder of her father, Tommy Ballard. So what do you think is really going on here? You think it's some sort of tax evasion scandal or like drug ring or like why would somebody be doing this? There's rumors that it's drugs. There's rumors yeah. that, um, that the Halk brothers were involved in smuggling drugs and that maybe Crystal knew about it. And here's the thing, his, you know, Brooks's brother Nick was a police officer who worked with Jason Ellis. So, were they involved in something and Jason Ellis knew about it? I don't know. That's wacko. This is a town of 14,000 people. In all of these murders, you have Jason Ellis, the mother and the daughter, the Netherlands are their names, Crystal Rogers and Tommy Ballard. You have five disappearances or murders that are all unsolved since 2013 or 14. Yeah, but like a small town is seems like it would sometimes be like the best place to get away with that. Apparently it is. Because you're not going to have the kind of big time police scrutiny and detectives and FBI that you would have in other places in a little small town. Well, here's the thing. When a police officer is shot or involved in a crime, the state police are automatically involved. So as soon as Jason Ellis was shot, the state police were involved. Why would you bring him into it? And then Nick, Nick Halk is, they, they don't have any information. And wow. then Nick Halk, you know, gets involved in his brother's interrogation and the state police are going to be investigating that. And now you have the FBI office in Louisville that has taken over that investigation. They've taken it away from Bardstown County or Bardstown Police Department. That is so bonkers. It just seems like there's so many twists and turns on this case. Like, yep. Somebody's got to crack it open at some point. See, and that's why I think it's crazy that there's five unsolved murders in this small town because somebody's going to talk. Yeah. You know? Eventually. So I don't know if they're all related. I definitely think that there's some some relationship between Jason Ellis and Crystal Rogers and Tommy Ballard. I'm not sure if the Netherlands, the mother and daughter, murdered. I'm not sure if they're related. Um, but... You know, obviously, it's, obviously Tommy Ballard's murder is related to the disappearance of Crystal Rogers. That's clear. You know, Kentucky State Police haven't wanna, like haven't said specifically that they know that, but I mean, how could it not be, right? And especially because yeah. he shot Point Blake in the chest, you know? Yeah, that's pretty um, intense. Yeah, and then, you know, and then, then the setup and, and murder of Jason Ellis, like, it's something's going on in Bardstown, man. Well, I guess we'll find out soon enough, right? I hope, I mean, yeah, I hope. I hope they identify those remains, and I hope that they get some closure. And this is what I was going to say about my, my friend that was telling me about this. So she lives in Nelson County, and Crystal's family, apparently she lives close enough to where Crystal's family had asked if they could search on her property multiple times. Wow. 
So I haven't talked to her yet about that, but but yeah. Um, well, we'll definitely provide updates, you know, as stuff comes forward. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Bard Sound, Kentucky man. Case. All right. Yeah. Anything else? That's it. Let's talk about some emails. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I just want to give a shout out to BrownFam81. She sent us a message. Her name is Cindy. Hi, Cindy. And Cindy was so nice. She said, I think you have a hidden treasure in your quarantine discussions. You hooked me with Elizabeth Holmes. I've been listening backwards through time since then. Okay. Next up, right? Next up was Bombingham. I live in Vest. How do you say it? Vestavia. Vestavia Hills. Great job, by the way. Timing that to coincide with Blanton's death was brilliant. Yeah, we definitely planned that. <laughs> we, that was so luck. Um, keep, like, we totally did that episode, planned it, wrote it, and then like literally the death of Blanton, the news yeah. on that came out, like, what was that, two or three days later? Yeah, like, I think we, so. We had no idea. It was yeah. so lucky. And we were like, ooh, um, we got to record right. an update for that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But she says, keep up the good work. I don't know what form it should take, but I do think you have a treasure in the dawning of an epidemic at one point. One of you states that you've heard we should be in quarantine till April. She's like, good job. Yeah. <laughs> good predictions. Yeah. And then she says, War Eagle. War Cindy. Eagle. Yay. So, yeah. Cindy is Thanks, definitely Cindy. a fan. It just definitely made my day to hear that. I was feeling yeah. a little bit down and kind of a little bit like, this is a thankless job. And then Cindy chimed in and I was like, oh, Cindy That's awesome. Rock. Thank you. Um, a couple more. Let's see what else we got. Um... We got one that says, just a line of appreciation. First time listener here and not usually a comment type person. I find this podcast refreshing and honest. The hosts take their time, give great commentary, and do their research like a boss. Oh, yay. <laughs> Thank <Thanks>. you. <laughs> I especially like how the two hosts hold nothing back. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Having an opinion isn't a crime when you do your research and look at things from all angles first. Like, <laughs> um, I'm a simple guy from a small town. I don't know a lot about the law or about science, but I know that this stuff is good. Cool. My favorite episode is the Julius and Ethel Rosenberg one. I'm an honest, wait, I'm a history lover and this was really good content. Tell more, tell more, more, more. Awesome. Your devoted listener, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Frank is a simple guy. Like he, he is straightforward and is like, Hey, I'm not a super educated person. Some of us aren't and that's okay too, but we really appreciate your opinion and your viewpoint and like... Rock on. I love Frank. that. I love Thank history. Thank you for your comment. And, like, to be excited about the Rosenberg yeah. episode made me happy as well. Because, like, we love that stuff as well. Um, what else we got here? Um, I got one that says, Great job with the episode on Michael and Kathleen Peterson. I've heard a bunch of other ones, and I absolutely love Darcy's attention to detail and how she broke down all the scientific stuff. Awesome. That girl knows her stuff. Yeah. Keep up the fantastic pos uh, podcasting, Anne-Marie. Thanks, Anne-Marie. Woot, woot. Yeah. Um, and then one more. Let's see here. What do we got? Here's one that says, I really loved your Bombingham episode. It's such a crazy time in our history and so powerful to hear the stories. It's also a story I hadn't heard before. Keep up the good work, Kim. Thanks, Kim. Right. And then one last one. Um, hi, Sarah and Darcy. Big fans since the show started. We're looking forward to merch. Hopefully it's coming soon. Shirts and pins would be great. Stephanie from Detroit. Hi, Steph. Yeah, <laughs> we've got to get on merch. Shirts and man. pins. Heck yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm just kind of... 
we've been sort of stalling on that just because of this pandemic mm-hmm. stuff that's going on. Like shipping out things during this time can be a little bit challenging. Yeah, but it's hard like to ask that's... people to spend money right now too, you know. It is. Like, I feel guilty Mm -hmm. about that, definitely, because it's just, it's a challenging time for everybody right now, Mm -hmm. and we're all just kind of doing our best to survive, and I think even the ones that have jobs right now, like, we're nervous. Sure. That, you know, how long is this going to last? Like, are they going to, my company had layoffs in the last Mm -hmm. week, and last couple of weeks, in fact, and until then, we had taken a pay cut and we'd done some other kind of carving away at different things to try to, you know, keep the company afloat. But now they're starting to lay people off, mm-hmm. which is a very, very scary prospect because, you know, that, as well as I do, that usually they get rid of people, you know, first right. in line, first in time or whatever. So the people that have been there the longest are the ones that they keep the longest. Right. right? And I have been there for only a short period of time. So I feel like I would be one of the first people on the chopping block, which is just frightening to the extreme because it's like you know we moved all the way out here 3,000 miles to this new town to start a new life and the thought that my job is not secure is terrifying Mm -hmm. yeah it's uncertain times for everybody right now and I do realize there are people that have already lost Mm -hmm. their jobs like that's got to be even worse and then you know you have the unemployment being cut off the people that are getting the special unemployment Mm -hmm. and that ended in the end of July so it's frightening yeah um, from day to day. So it, for us, we just feel as though asking people to spend money on merchandise and different things like that right now is would be selfish. Yeah, yeah we don't so. know how long this is going to last. So, you know, we want everybody to be able to keep, you know, stay afloat, keep the lights on, keep food on the table, things like that. Because, you know, for a lot of people right now, that really is a struggle. So um, yeah. we we have discussed merch That is something we are going to do, but we want to let things, you know, normalize out a little bit. Right. And I think that's part of the reason I haven't pushed too hard for, like, advertising Mm -hmm. and for other things like Patreon and, you know, subscription-type services because I just feel like people are choosing right now, you know, whether they're going to, you know, put food on the table or, like, provide for their Mm -hmm. families. So, like, I don't want to put people in the position where they have to you know, say, oh, I'm going to spend this instead of taking care of this bill, which would be just extremely selfish and just, I don't want to do that. So that's why we've delayed on all that stuff and that's okay. When things get back to normal, we'll we'll do all of that good stuff and then we'll ask you for your money. (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy now how everything has just been turned on its head. So like you just, nothing is... You can't really say, okay, this is a timeline for this, right. or this is a timeline for this anymore, because there is none anymore. It's just everything's up in the air. I know. I've been looking for, you know, jobs and stuff, and I'm seeing postings that, like, there have been job postings, and then they come back and say, you know, we're not filling this position anymore because of the pandemic. So yeah. I'm looking at... Or internships or things that they've gotten rid right. of, you know, because they can't have people around, you know, a full-time you know, high paid employees that might potentially spread coronavirus, which I get it, but it's scary. And a lot of the jobs I'm, you know, I'm looking to graduate, you know, in what, seven, eight months or or maybe, maybe nine months, but um, I'm looking to graduate before next summer. And um, this is the time when I need to start getting those job applications going out because a lot of the jobs I'm looking at are military or government related. And that hiring process takes a long time and that's all shut down right now. So yep. it's getting, getting tight. 
I can't imagine being a recent college graduate and trying to get a job right I now. That, like I, I graduated from law school around September 11th, Ooh, which wow. I'm telling you my age a little bit. And that was terrifying because it was like all my friends that had, had jobs lined up, like half of them lost their jobs wow. after that. It was horrific. Yeah. But that I think pales in comparison to like the amount, the sheer amount of economic fear and uncertainty right now yeah that's the biggest thing because we don't know when things are going to start to reopen and when people are going to start hiring and things like that so like and don't get me wrong september 11th was awful yeah. and it was extremely serious and extremely sad and like a really horrific period in our history but it's like wow i had to deal with that and now we're having to deal with this like what else is going to happen in this <laughs> lifetime for some of us just it's horrifying it's just like some really awful awful scary movie that just won't end and we haven't even talked about beirut (sighs) wow right did you see that they were doing the comparison it was like two tons was two tons of ammonium nitrate was what was used at the oklahoma city bombing and it's like thousands of of tons were exploded in beirut just sitting in a warehouse next to fireworks make any sense to me that doesn't make any sense to me. I've not seen an explanation for why they were stored the way they were, but it, yeah. it, it wasn't a terrorist attack. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. A whole nother show. <laughs> scary. Like I, I think more is going to come out on that and it's something that we need to talk about like in more detail in a, in a later yeah. show. But like right now it just seems so bonkers that they would be storing those kind of chemicals in that location right. in that amount, unprotected, unsecured. Right. <clears throat> Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's something as simple as negligence. You know what I mean? I hope it wasn't something nefarious. Or. Yeah, but I, I just have my doubts about that. But again, I don't know. We'll have to wait till further yeah. information comes out because we can't report on something just based on our speculation. Yeah. We've got to have. That's what social media is for. <laughs> facts to like point that right. out because you know people have basically said to us like you're you're just telling your opinions like yeah and we are most of the yeah. time but. We definitely have facts to back right. it up when we tell stories most of the time, right. which is why I don't really want to get into this right now until we have the pa- the facts yeah. in there to back up our storyline. But anyway, we're going to wrap the podcast up unless you have anything else you want to add. Stay safe, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is point in the podcast where we say so long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our little podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can shoot us an email. Like We're more than happy to talk about that or address that. Even if it's bad, good, bad, or indifferent, we'll talk about it. But, like, try to be constructive with your criticism. And I hate to be like, hey, don't criticize us unless you have something A, B, C, and D. But, like, we ask for comments and emails and suggestions so that we can improve for our listeners. If you just say, I hate so-and-so, and I don't like that she said this, that's not really offering us <laughs> criticism right. that's constructive that we can say, okay... I can change this. I can modify this. I can improve for the listeners in this way. So that's all we would ask. Um, And if it's because you don't like stories about the mafia or you don't like stories about such and such and you would rather we do stories about such and such, tell us. Like, we're more than happy to, like, tell more stories about whatever you want to tell us. We should do a mafia story, by the Right. Uh, as long as it's something that we can find research on to be able to tell mm-hmm. the story, we're more than happy to um, c- comply with that. But 
Uh, please join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild stories. If you would like to check us out on Instagram, Darcy, what's our Instagram? Yeah, we are at the BFD Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. So we post pictures and, and links and news stories and all that kind of good stuff there. So you can find us there. Yeah, we'll post some pictures of Daisy, the St. Bernard that got <laughs> rescued. <laughs> good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye, Bye guys.